The Sports Dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to The Sports Dance. My name is Greg, and tonight, I'm feeling like a star, you can't stop my shine. I'm on cloud nine, I'm riding solo. That's right, riding solo tonight, no Paul. He had other obligations, and so it's just you and me and sports. So let's get into it. We have a lot to talk about. Week three in the NFL brought a lot of different action. We had records broken. We had injuries. We had duds, studs in fantasy. We had some kind of surprise wins, kind of not surprising wins. We're going to cover it all when we get into it. Plus, obviously, no show this week is complete if we don't talk about the return of TB12 to Foxborough. We have to talk about Tom Brady going back to New England. Paul's not here, so I got to pick up the, oh me, I'm just a homer slack in the Patriots side of things because things aren't too hot going into the return of Tommy Boy for either team. Bucks have it a little better, but we'll talk about that shortly. Let's get into it, starting with the most surprising wins from this past week. The NFL had a lot of different things going on. Games decided at the very end. Games that were just complete blowouts. The most surprising win, though, for me, easily, was the fact the Ravens pulled it off against the Lions. A lot of different things had to happen, including a record being broken by the one, the only Justin Tucker. So let's talk about it really quick. I know Lions fans are probably like, seriously? We have to relive this moment. It was last week. We're on to Thursday Night Football. Come on. Are you really on to Thursday Night Football? Do you really care about Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Bengals, Jags? That's what I thought. So let's talk about it. The Ravens, shockingly, did not blow out the Lions. They needed the 66-yard record-breaking field goal by Justin Tucker to win it all. Yep. Yep. You heard me correctly. If somehow you missed it, the greatest kicker of all time in NFL history, you can fight me on it if you want to. It's not Vinatieri. You, I mean, you can put it out there, but Vinatieri is clutch in the postseason. We will give him that. But the greatest field goal kicker of all time is without a doubt Justin Tucker. The man is automatic. If he misses, you think, oh my God, is he okay? Did, he, did something rupture in mid-swing? Because usually when it goes up, it's good. So yeah, lots of things had to happen to have this even get set up, including the refs completely botching a delay of game call. And when I say botching, if you don't believe me, go back, watch the video. Lamar Jackson with seven seconds left. Play clock hits double zeros. Ball is not snapped. Two solid seconds click by. Still nothing. They snap the ball and get the playoff like nothing ever was amiss. So that alone would have put Tucker's field goal attempt at 71 yards. Like, that would have been impossible because when he did send that ball flying through the air, it hit the crossbar, popped up in the air, and went in to be good. He doinked it in. Didn't doink out. He's not the Bears. Sorry, Chicago. So yeah, lots had to go happen, including a 4th and 18 pass that was just over defender's head. And it was just, 
It's the most surprising win because it should have been an easy win for the Ravens. Instead, the Ravens are playing hard attack football the first three weeks of the season between their loss to the Raiders, their eking out a win against the Chiefs, and now eking out a win against the Lions. So it's definitely a, that was definitely a surprise because of everything that had to happen for them to win that game. But moving on, I did get some of Paul's picks for these things, so I'm going to go over them as well. Paul's biggest shocking win, obviously, was the Chargers. If you've listened to the show, you know Paul is a big Patty Mahomes fan. He loves him some Patty. He loves Andy Reid and the Chiefs, despite being a Patriots fan and everything that's gone on with them the past few years. He just knows how good Patrick Mahomes is and has been. The Chiefs, in all our minds, was this unstoppable force. And if you got in the way, you were just going to get slaughtered. Not wrong, usually. This year, though, quite the change in the first three weeks of the AFC West. The Chiefs lost to the Chargers. And when you think about it, the Chargers won 30-24. It was a close game throughout. Usually those games, the Chargers somehow, someway lose. But instead, the Chargers rallied to beat the Chiefs. Mahomes threw two interceptions. By the way, this is all despite Edward Hilaire actually running the ball like an actual NFL running back. He had 100 yards. They still lost. So it's super shocking that this even happened to them because how? They lost the turnovers. They lost the game. Luckily, Andy Reid ended up having to go to the hospital, but it was for dehydration. He sounds like he's in good spirits. But in general, things are very odd in Chiefs' kingdom. Now, even as an Eagles fan, they get a break this week against an Eagles team that looked ugly against the Cowboys. Like, it was not pretty at all. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, we'll truly find out if the Chiefs are reeling here or if they can get back and start treading some water again. Because if they lose in Philly, Chiefs fans may have to start worrying. Like, it it might not be something you're comfortable with talking about. So we'll see. But, anyway, besides that, so that was Paul's pick. Moving on to the most surprising loss of this week. I went with... Obviously, the opposite of what Paul's surprise win was. I went with the Chiefs losing. It it was shocking, like I said. Makes no sense. You think coming off that win or that loss against the Ravens, close prime time game, they would have been coming into this game going, we want we we would just want to annihilate the Chargers, reestablish that we are the team in the AFC West and the AFC. Because yeah, the Chargers are one of those teams that people think can be up there wild card race. Now, it's them and the Raiders and the Broncos. Yeah, that one is shocking also. Granted, the first three opponents for the Broncos are combined 0-9. So we do have to factor that in. It's not like the Broncos are facing world beaters here. They are facing literal piles of garbage. That's, That's what they're facing. But yeah, the Chiefs, definitely the most surprising loss in my book. Paul came out with the Steelers. And again, that makes complete sense. The Steelers came out week one against the Bills, shut them down. And if you've seen what the Bills have done the past two weeks, you go, 
how? How did the Steelers do it? What happened to that week one Steelers team? Because they have disappeared. They lost to now the Cincinnati Bengals, and I get it. Joe Burrow's not bad. They have a decent wide receiving core. But, oh my goodness. And, again, like I said, it's not just because of the Bengals. But Big Ben looks ancient. Like, Tom Brady is 44 and looks like he is young and spry, 38-year-old. And Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's the guy that's like, you came back for another year, you're 44. Like, you would never know. Ben Roethlisberger is about six years younger than Brady with how he moves in that pocket. And then also their defense. I know TJ Watt got hurt. He's not playing. It shouldn't make your defense go from dominant to Swiss cheese. Just shouldn't. Shouldn't be how it goes. And that's what's happened. That's what's happened with Pittsburgh. It's weird. It's an anomaly. We're there. That's what's happened. So we'll see. Maybe that maybe it's just a weird bump in the road, but Steelers could be a rough season. If it is, though, it might be the year to tank, try to grab a QB that actually could be the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger, who will take over most likely next year. So we'll see about that. Next, we're going to move on to the least surprising win from week three. And it's got to be the Cleveland Browns. No offense, Justin Fields, Bears, Matt Nagy. Terrible, terrible play selections this weekend. It looked like he was trying to throw the game, honestly. It was like, hey, we don't want Justin Fields out there just yet, so let's make him look not great. So we can just revert back to Andy Dalton or Nick Foles the following week and keep Fields off the field as long as we can and healthy as long as possible so we can learn the playbook, all of that stuff. And just really put him out there when he's ready to go. Because he did not look ready to go. And the Browns looked like they were going to eat him alive. And they kind of did. Nine sacks. Miles Garrett had four and a half. He was pulling matrix moves out there. Shifting from the very far end of the line to like the middle of the line in one Euro step move. It was, I don't know how he did it. But yeah, the Browns just dominated from start to end. It wasn't shocking. You kind of saw it coming. Bears are not good. And the Browns aren't bad. So, yeah. That was the least surprising win. For me, Paul's was the Broncos, and it's because they were against the New Jersey Jets. That's literally the reason he gave me. He's not wrong. Zach Wilson, so far looking like a huge bust. Like, can't make a pass to save his life if he had an open wide receiver staring at him bust. It's not good. It's not pretty in New Jersey. So yeah, that's his least surprising win. I completely agree. He does say, though, he was wrong about Vic Fangio being the first coach fired. It's definitely going to be Matt Nagy. Fangio has the Broncos 3-0, so I'm pretty sure at this point his job is safe. So he's like, first to admit, everything looks way better in Denver than expect it and the fact that they are two games up on the Chiefs just proves that so those were our least surprising wins for losses kind of similar thing Washington football team losing to the Bills the Bills are on a mission after that week one loss they annihilated the Dolphins 35-0 and then they took it to the Washington football team this week 
and just stomp them. Like, not even close. Just, you know what? We're just going to destroy you. 43-21. Josh Allen had a field day. We'll talk about it in a little bit because got some news. Paul's going to be joining the show in just a few minutes. So, sit tight. And he'll be here for fantasy duds. Oh, me, I'm just a homer. We got him for the Brady talk. That's really what's important. And then some Major League Baseball wildcard stuff. But that was the least surprising win, or least surprising loss was the Washington football team. Listen, without Fitzpatrick, which I don't think would have made a difference in this game, their defense is not what it was amped up to be at the beginning of this season. I know the Bills are good. The Washington football team defense has not been anything close to what we expected it to be. So it's kind of disappointing because I thought they were going to be this dominant defensive line, getting sacks galore. Just not the case. Meanwhile, Paul's least surprising loss went to the Colts. You know, one of those teams that you go, all right, well, they are own three now. But basically it's because Carson Wentz was playing on two bad ankles. Not to say that's an excuse, but it does hinder a quarterback. It might hinder your offense completely. So it makes sense. They were also against a Tennessee team that has kind of started to figure things out and pick things back up where they left off last year. Derrick Henry is literally plowing ahead through defenders to lead the charge for the Titans. Julio Jones looking good. Hopefully the A.J. Brown hamstring injury. Not too serious. We're going to talk about that also a little bit later. Not this injury itself, but kind of its impact on people. But yeah, those were the least surprising losses and a little bit reason why. So before Paul joins us for Fantasy Studs and Duds, we're going to take a quick break to hear from BetUS. Play ball! BetUS has all your gambling needs. Make sure you check them out. Today, when you do use promo code 12 ounce, that's one, two, OZ. BetUS is America's favorite gambling site. That's not stop me. That's guaranteed what everybody thinks. Go to BetUS to make all your gambling plays on sports and casino games, whatever you're into. Go check them out. BetUS use promo code 12 ounce to get a special deal helping us and helping you today. Always remember, gamble responsibly. Play ball. That's right. Always remember to gamble responsibly. And now it's time for our fantasy studs and duds. And joining us now is our own fantasy stud. Oh, it's Paul. <laughs> I barely had time to get my earphones on and set up in the studio down here. You told me you were getting shorts on, so I don't know what you were doing upstairs before you came oh, down no. to the studio. Uh, long, long day today. So, uh, well, you know, started with a dead battery and ended with a new battery. Well, at least you got, well, got a in a car, it. in a car. Yes. Yes. Make sure yep. we know where the morning is starting, where it's ending. All right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, but Paul, glad hey, you could join idea. us. Um, know how to take out a battery if you're going to do it. Just saying. Uh, I have a car that I've been told by mechanics myself that is one of the worst batteries to take out in a car and that they don't even like having to do it because they're afraid they're going to break something. So I will never take it out. in the open and it's like in Chinese algebra. Mine's under a bunch of like covers. It makes no sense. Yep. Anyway, Paul, thank you. Glad you're able to join us because, you know, I was going to have to do the Brady homecoming myself. And Mm. 
I feel like it's not the same coming from a non-Patriots fan when we have a Patriots fan as the co-host of the show. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit. But first, like I said, our fantasy studs and duds. I already let everybody know your most surprising and least surprising wins and losses. So now we're in the fantasy side of everything. You know, since I've done a lot of talking already, and I apparently losing my voice just there, we're going to let you start off. Who was your fantasy stud for week three? So, you know, you you started off this season talking about this team and the Bills. Uh, Josh Allen, 358 yards, tore the place up, five touchdowns. There's the stud. Yeah, uh, that was definitely – the Bills, like I said, you said they were – who did they face? They faced the Washington football team. That's what it was. I was like, I couldn't think of it. I said Washington football team was my least surprising loss because the Bills are on a mission – and Josh Allen definitely was the stud for them in the fantasy world with that many yards. I think he threw four passing touchdowns and ran for another one. So he was just doing it all himself. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. My stud for this week was Mike Williams of the Chargers. The wide receiver put up big numbers against the Chiefs. That's mainly what helped lead to that upset win of the Chiefs. You know, one and two. Ooh. Talked about it, Paul. I know I talked about it. It was not pretty. What a frightening, but, frightening thought. If you had Mike Williams, his stat line definitely caught your eye and made you it glisten. It was seven receptions for 122 yards and two touchdowns. So that is going to make any fantasy owner that had him, whether it's in regular or daily fantasy, a happy, happy guy. Because he also is not that expensive as a wide receiver. Just saying. It's a beautiful thing. So when we go to our duds, duds this week, I think are a little different for us, Paul. We don't have one singular player that we each called out. Instead, well, we both kind of have groupings. So I'm going to let you go first. All right. So so everybody sit down and strap in. <laughs> the entire Patriots offense is my dud. The, the entire offense? Yes. The entire offense. I um, mean, it makes sense. They did nothing. Well, they did a lot of bad things. They did not many good things. There was only one bright spot for that team, and that was Kendrick Bourne. But, you know, outside of him, it was garbage a name you never heard before and you're probably going to hear again so with that lackluster performance the patriots leading receiver is a running back and so far this year 12 receptions in three games he's the leader yeah you you gotta you gotta score wait a minute john madden the team that wins gets the most touchdowns wins the game yeah okay hello can we get some yardage yeah, Mac, Mr. Checkdown Jones. Oh, boy. I'm going to talk about that when we get to <laughs> homie. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not good. No. Uh, yeah, no, that offense was a bust. When uh, I think, was I correct? Uh, I don't know if you have the stats, but was Mac Jones like their top rusher? Uh, yes, uh, Mac Jones was. And he, uh, I know I jotted it down. Yeah, leading rusher with 28 yards. Yeah, that's not good. Is that like a guy that can't catch the ball? Because if you can't rush, if the quarterback at 28 yards, you don't get down the field. Well, not only that, like what what was happening in that backfield? I, I don't get it. I know you said James White was the leading receiver for that team. He's now done for the year. He has the hip injury that broke right before the show. So that's a big blow to them because now who's, who's Mac going to check down to? <laughs> and also – why is Mac Jones the guy taking off your team with six runs for 28 yards? It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, 
good lord they get him out uh we're gonna have to take what's his name off does he think he's i was gonna say does he think he's cam newton (laughs) is that his cam impersonation guys look i can run too apparently nobody else on the team can but he really didn't throw oh yeah he did wrong team you ever see a kid in like farm team or whatever they call it uh town league soccer scoring the wrong net yeah It's like throwing three interceptions. Just well, the funny thing is when you're facing Jameis LASIK I Winston, who had the only ever 30-30 season with 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, you'd expect him to be the guy throwing the interceptions. Mac Jones, not one, not two, three. Not pretty looking. And we're going to talk about why it's really not pretty when you think about the week that's coming up. Ooh, baby. But – my uh, dud for fantasy this week, very similar. I had a grouping, and it was hamstrings. There was three players at least that I know of that went down with hamstring injuries that really hindered people's fantasy football teams if they had them. The first being Thursday Night Football with Christian McCaffrey, who, personal record for him, he made it to week three. Let's give him a round of applause. He made it to the first Ooh. quarter of week three without getting an injury that took him out for multiple weeks. Number one draft pick by lots of people in fantasy football. Went out in the first quarter with a ham, hammy injury, never returned. I think he ended up with a whopping four points, which is better than the other two injuries that I know of, which was Sterling Shepard for the Giants, who left after like one catch and had a hamstring injury. They also had a second guy leave. Darius Slayton got hurt also with a hamstring injury. But the other significant one in fantasy football terms was A.J. Brown of the Titans. No catches. I think he ended up with 0.3 points. I think he rushed at one point for three yards, but he had no catches, no yards. Basically put up a goose egg. Also with a hamstring injury, he's week to week. So hamstring injuries definitely made multiple players some duds this week in the fantasy world. Why do so many hammy injuries happen? Is it stretching? I mean, it's your muscles are doing explosive movements multiple times in a game. So it's just a matter of Maybe it's not as stretched out. Maybe it's tight and maybe you already had a weak hamstring muscle from something else and it just strains. I mean, it happens to sprinters and the guys like that all the time. I think hydration and stretching. I mean, it does play a part. I did also mention about how Andy Reid got rushed to the hospital for dehydration right after their game. Way to take the news off of the loss, Andy. Right. Anyway, so that was our studs and duds in the fantasy world. Moving on, it is time for Oh Me, I'm Just a Homer. Where, Paul, we already know how bad it was for the Patriots, which you can touch on even more if you want. It was also horrendous for the Eagles. Not only was it a bad game that they ended up losing to the Cowboys, which made it worse, and it was on Monday Night Football, which made it even worse. Then Jalen Hurts comes out after the game, And he uses like the worst analogy I've ever heard to describe a loss in a football game, which he basically said, we took a deuce. When you take a deuce, you flush it and forget about it. I'm like, wow. So he really does in the press conference after the game said, we played like shiitake mushrooms to work around, you know, adult supervision. You don't stand there and look at it. It was just. Yeah, it was a weird. You had to come up with. It's a weird analogy to use. Um, but yeah, they did not look good at all. Their offense looked lost. Their defense, after the first, I mean, they strip sacked 
Dak Prescott in the end zone for a touchdown to start the first in the first quarter. So that was very nice to see. And then it just went downhill. They couldn't stop the tight ends and they couldn't stop Zeke Elliott from rushing in which he hasn't been a factor. I feel like in a year and a half and he made it seem like he's been back to his pro bowl self against the Eagles, which hate to see personally. Yeah. Tough weekend for you. So it was not great. (laughs) Not fantastic, but it happens. Hopefully they have to face the chiefs. So like I said earlier, Paul, before you were at the show, I said, if the Eagles somehow beat the chiefs, something's up with the chiefs and they are reeling and got to be concerned. If they beat the Eagles, people are going to be like, well, they're the chiefs. They should beat the Eagles and they're treading water now in the AFC West. On the other hand, if the Eagles lose, depending on how they lose, people are going to think about it one way or the other. They're going to be mad that they lost, but if Jalen hurts plays well and they have a competent game and it's kind of close, maybe they'll be like, all right, Maybe something's going to happen. They get blown out. All bets are off. I don't know what they do. Clearly, then it's look for the future quarterback because it's not going to be Jalen Hurts is the thought because he did not look like an NFL quarterback at all in Monday night. He made bad throws, didn't look like he was ever making more than one read. He kind of looked like what Cam did last year when people compared how he was doing. Kind of, I'm going to stare down the receiver I'm going to throw to the whole time and hope for the best. And if not, I'm going to try to run, and it's not going to work. And I'm going to try to get the ball at least to him. Because that's what happened. So it was not good, not happy. They need to figure out a way to bounce back because they looked fantastic week one. And week two, it was close against San Francisco. It was really just the offense couldn't get figure out a way to get in the end zone. But week three, woof. Well. But to you, Paul. What else do you have to say about the I don't the Patriots game that they were a part of? <laughs> so they 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 showed up because they had to. And it was and at home. They just they just trounced them. And you could even and, say they missed a flight. I know, right? Oh, our important equipment isn't here. Um, I, I don't know. I just what do you say? Um, well, in the words of Josh McDaniels, you can't let one bag one bad game turn into a bad season. Um, and Max got to brush it off because he was a little emotional on the field and feeling sorry for himself. And he was headed out toward the field. And I guess Bill Belichick kind of gave him a little uh, wrist lock and turned around and off they went to the locker room. Like, no celebrating, no congratulating, yep. let's go. So in the world of Bill, that's how things go. By the way, they're 0-2 at Gillette to start the year, and they're probably going to be 0-3. <sighs> Um, why would you say they'd be 0-3? Well, Paul, because luckily you are here for this part and this conversation because good old Tommy boy, Tommy Brady, is heading back to New England, Foxborough, the place where it all began 22 years ago, where his legacy started. Six Super Bowls were raised, flags were raised, a lifetime of memories, basically all thrown out the window by one and only Bill Belichick. So Tommy returns. It is prime time set Sunday night football. One and two New England Patriots versus the two and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they lost to the Rams. A little shocking. A little shocking. I'm actually not. That wasn't listed in any sort of way of surprising anything like that because most think that's going to be the NFC championship game potential preview. Both teams played well. It's just 
the Rams had a little more firepower and Tampa Bay just couldn't keep up like a 75 yard touchdown to Deshaun Jackson changes momentum in a game. Matt Stafford played like an MVP. Tom Brady played like Tom Brady, just not the first two weeks, Tom Brady. So he played like he was 44. Not even probably more like 39. Okay. So we have that game happening. So Paul, I got to ask you one, how do you feel about Tom Brady returning? How do you think the fans should react to him? And do you think in any way, shape or form him and Bill Belichick talk at all on the field? Um, possibly in congratulations, pat on the back. Um, I don't know. Has it, has it gotten to be contentious? How do I feel about him coming back? I have no bad feeling. I think he did what he needed to do. Um, do I think he's going to win? I do. I hope it's not horrifying. Oh, it's going to be horrifying. Yeah. I, I think a- everybody and their mother wants it to be horrifying. That's not a Patriots fan. So I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm not a tailgating every game season ticket holding Patriot fan. And I have my sofa in my recliner and my 50 inch TV over my grill Patriots fan. And I'm going to hate Tom Brady because of you have to. Um, again, it's all about respect. And I'm sure that it's going to be a very loud game. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Hey, Tom Brady's coming back to town. And um, the hype in Boston is Adele Salo. Hello, haven't seen you in a while. And he's going to, they're going to see him. They're yeah, they're going to see him. 44. That's how many points he's going to score against you. <laughs> it might be. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think in some way, shape, or form, Belichick and Brady know they have to have an interaction at some point, either before the game or after the game, where the cameras catch it, where they're both smiling, kind of like, hey, how are you type thing. Bill this week did at his press conference this in uh, Wednesday morning, said, what's going on, everybody? Got any stories this week with a big smile? And then proceeded to shower Tom Brady with praise, saying, Nothing he does surprises me. He's a great player, works hard, takes care of himself. He's talked about playing until 50. If anybody can, if anybody can do it, he probably can. He's had an unbelievable career. There's not enough superlatives and adjectives that compliment him on everything that he's achieved and continued to achieve. It's unbelievably impressive. So Bill's got a whole different tune the week of this game because I think he knows if he comes off defensive, and kind of Tom and he'll do even better and putting off kind of what Tom did throughout his career and still done people are gonna be like well you're just bitter that he won a Super Bowl without you and they wouldn't be wrong so I think Belichick knows he kind of has to to an extent kiss the ring of Tom Brady this week because Brady has earned it and it's one less story that is going to be getting in his ear all week about this game because you know if he came off any other way outside of positive there would be a million more questions and a million more stories all about it um absolutely um he's not going to be part of that contentious he's just going to be nice and and it'll be the game by the way i do think they totally plan the julian edelman week celebration like the game week three game Celebrate Julian Edelman, the forever Patriot, Foxborough forever. I think that was purposely planned the week before the game. I'm actually surprised they didn't do it 
our Sunday night football style. I'm kind of surprised. I think it's uh, absolutely strategically placed. So that, I don't know if that nothing is going to change the way Tom Brady plays football. No, but it's going to be an interesting thing to see. I'm curious to see how fans exactly. I feel like it's going to be a mix of boos and cheers. Once the yeah. game starts and he, he puts up like 14 straight points against the team, like to start off the game, Quiet them down. I think you might start to hear more boos. But it is weird because depending on how old you are, I feel like there's a lot of Patriots fans that are in that, like, I'll say, I'll put it at 12 years old up to like 35, 40 range that have basically only ever known Tom Brady as the Patriots quarterback. So I think they're all, for the most part, going to cheer. I think they, when he left, they're like, I'm still a Tom Brady fan, and I'm going to still cheer for the – I'm going to cheer for the Bucs now. I'm a Bucs fan also. I'm not going to cheer for Tom Brady to win in Gillette against the Patriots, but – uh, They might even, depending on how they feel about Belichick. But I think once you hit the 40-plus range, unless you're like a really spiteful sports fan, which I don't really know how many of those there are now, I feel like for the most part, if you're in the 40-plus range, you might be like, I hate Tom Brady. I hope he dies type sports fan in new England. But I think if you're in that 12 to 40 range for the most part, you're like, I'm a Brady fan. I hope he does well. If he beats us, whatever, we're not going anywhere this year type thing. Yeah. I think uh, we had high hopes and now we're performing like we thought the Red Sox would perform. (laughs) We'll talk about that too. So we'll see. I'm going to be interested to know exactly how this game plays out because I think it could get ugly really fast to put it in perspective we'll go look at the line the line for it right now is Tampa Bay is only favored by seven points and the over under is 49 so I ask you Paul as a Patriots fan are you taking Tampa Bay as only are you taking the Tampa Bay to win by more than seven I am yeah I would too and over under 49, do you think this game gets over 49 points scored in it? So to put it in perspective, the Patriots just played the Saints. They lost 28-13. So that, that game alone put up 41 points. And it was not special. I'm just – it could be a bloodbath. Well, that's what I mean. I'm going to go with the over because I think Brady and them put up at least 40 points alone. And I think the Patriots somehow eke out a touchdown and a field goal. If they need to kick a field goal. <laughs> if they get the chance. So we'll see, but that's, I think it's like you, it's going to be a bloodbath. I think Tampa Bay easily takes that, covers that seven line. And I think the Patriots and Bucks scored more than 49 points. So that's what I'm going with. Two other games, Paul, to quickly check out before we move on to some baseball wildcard talk, before we wrap things up, another game to check out should be the Cardinals-Rams game. You have two 3-0 teams in the NFC West battling it out. The over-under there is 55. The Rams are favored by four. I think the Rams win this. I think they win it similar to how they beat the Bucks. They won that 34-24, I want to say. So I'm going to give the... I'm going to take the under, actually. 55 I'll take the under there. So I think both have defenses that can at least somewhat hold down the fort and it'll be more in the twenties. 
type range. So like a 28, 21 type thing you might see like a true just touchdown, not really any field goals. Even if it's a 28, 24 type score, you still stay under that 55. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm right there with you. I, I am definitely right there with you. And then we're going to stay in the West where AFC West supremacy is up for line on Monday night football with the Raiders and the chargers winner is in control of the AFC West with the Broncos, depending on what happens with the Broncos. Cause Broncos being three and did not see coming. I talked about how you didn't even think that you regret the fact that you said Vic Fangio was going to be the first one fired. And look at him. Yeah, that's he what I mean. He was, I know. he was listening that day and he said, Oh, yeah, you guys? Oh, yeah, Paul. I'll, I'll fix all right. you a wagon. You think I'm old? <laughs> I'll fix you a wagon, you whoop a snapper. But so the Raiders, Chargers, the line is the Chargers by a field goal. So basically, they're saying it's going to be a dead heat. The over-under is 52. I'm going to go Raiders in every way, shape, and form, and I'm going to take the over. Raiders under. All right. So those are the must-watch outside of, obviously, everybody's going to be tuning in Sunday night. That's really what we're here for. The other things people are here for is the wild card race in the American League because, my goodness, it is all over the place. Last week, we were somewhat confident with the Red Sox going into the Yankee series with a two-game first-place lead in the wild card. My, how the tables have turned and the turns have tabled because they got swept by the Yankees, which is the last thing they could have had happen. They did it in ugly fashion, having the lead both Saturday and Sunday before Giancarlo Stanton just smashed home runs into the middle of downtown Boston. So right now, as it stands, before we know anything, it looks like the Yankees will still be in the lead. The Blue Jays and the Red Sox were leading. So as it stands, it would put both of them a little closer. The Red Sox game behind the Yankees and the Blue Jays two games behind the Yankees for that number one spot. So still a game out. We'll see what happens with Seattle. But Paul, as it stands, Oakland's out of it. It's a four-team race. Yankees, Red Sox, Mariners, Toronto. That's the order it's in. The Yankees technically right now had a two-game lead. It'll probably be down to one after the show ends. So still Yankees one, Red Sox two, Seattle's right there, and then Toronto. Who do you think gets these final two spots? Four teams, two spots, who gets them? Take a breath. Breathe. Red Sox and Yankees. Who do you think is the one host in the game? The Red Sox have a better record? No, the Yankees Against each other, head-to-head, the Red Sox won the series. So if they tie, it would be a Fenway. So what do you think happens? Because there is only, after today, there is four games left. Um, and a lot can happen. Yeah, yeah, look at last week. We said we'd be we'd, we'd probably have a decision, or we'd be just as lost as we were. Yep. Who knows? I mean, I said it, they can't lay down. They got to play like it's the World Series. So you have Yankees, you have Red Sox. All right, I'm going to say 
I don't like saying it. I think it's somehow going to end up being Red Sox are going to falter because it just seems like that's where it's headed towards right now. I don't know why. It's my gut feeling. I'm hoping I jinx it in some way so they reverse and actually just keep winning. But I'm going to go with the Yankees and the Mariners. I feel like the Mariners somehow get in there after it didn't seem like they had a chance in H-E-L-L a few weeks ago. And then who knows what happens. Most likely the Yankees win that game. But again, who knows what happens? It's the wild card. We will definitely know next week who won it and potentially who's moving on from that game because I forget what day. I think it might be a Tuesday game for the wild card. So we will know by then who probably advances completely. Yeah. My, my heart says Red Sox, Blue Jays, so the Yankees just somehow blow it in four games and don't make it. But my mind is like, let's be up, let's let's be pessimistic here and go with Yankees Mariners. <laughs> Man, oh, I never thought hey, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised that my team actually, you know, pulled it out than sad. Which is so. Here's what we'll do: say the Red Sox do win one of the two spots, and it's Red Sox Yankees. Who do you want starting that game for you if you can choose, Evaldi or Sale? Evaldi. Yeah, I have the same. I have the same gut feeling. My thought would be though, I feel like if it is in Yankee Stadium, I would want Evaldi. He has dominated the Yankees in Yankee Stadium many times. If it's at Fenway, I kind of feel like you go with Sale because he gets really amped up in Fenway Park. You have the home crowd with him. I think the juices would be flowing if he gets into any sort of trouble. That's when it's all hands on deck. It doesn't matter if you you don't care about the next series and who's starting because you may not get to the next series and who's okay. starting if you don't win We're that game. So Ivaldi can come right in right after if he starts to blow it really early. But I think so. I think I it's a weird way to do that, but I think it matters of where the game is and who you're facing for who that pitcher is, and we'll see if they have any even control over that. Because if they go into the final day of the season needing a win, I think it's Sale that would be up on the mound. So no matter what, it would be Evaldi that has to pitch in that wild card game. <laughs> so we'll see. I, uh, they, they, <sighs> how, do you, how do you get here? I, mean, I don't man, know. I, I don't know. And if they don't make it, it's going to make us look really dumb for all the gloating we did during the summer. You know what? That's the hometown guys in us, but Oh, I know. <laughs> Nobody even thought they'd get past 500, so. This is true. But, all right, so besides that, last thing I need to talk to you about, because I'm sure you have some thought of any in terms of this. The NBA has been making news because, you know, season preseason is going to be starting up pretty soon for them, which means the season's right around the corner. The big talk is vaccination. 90% of the players in the NBA are vaccinated including LeBron James, who came out the other day during media day saying, I did the research. I did all the things. It was the best decision for me and my family, but I am not going to tell anybody else whether they should get it or not get it. It's a personal decision. He's right. It's a personal decision. If you choose not to get it, that is your own personal choice. Do I agree with it right now? No, but I understand if for some reason you do not trust the science and all of that and the medical experts, I laughed hysterically the other day at Carson Wentz when he was asked about his ankles and if he was going to be able to play, he did say, 
you know, you just got to listen to the doctors and follow their advice and do what they say because they know what they're talking about and they know what I need to do to get right. And uh, somebody on Fox Sports, I forget who it was, they basically cut back to them and they said, oh, so you'll trust the doctors when it comes to that. Got it. Okay. (laughs) But again, your own personal choice. But it leads me to the question of somebody like Kyrie Irving plays in Brooklyn. New York has a mandate that says if you are not vaccinated, you cannot be in arenas, essentially. Like you cannot go in the mandates that are in place. I think if you aren't vaccinated, you have to show a positive, uh, negative test and like wear a mask type thing, which if you're an NBA player, you can't do on the court. So Kyrie Irving is not vaccinated. He has come out saying he's not. If he doesn't get vaccinated, he will not be able to play in 41 games of his season. This also includes trips to Toronto and to the Warriors who play in San Francisco, who also have these same mandates in place which means he would miss multiple, like 40 plus games. That's a lot. It is. So my question is, do you think at some point all these players kind of have to get our, their hands forced and they have to get the vaccination? Or do you think there is a few guys that go, you know what, I'm making a stand. I don't want to get it. Either cut me, trade me, or something else type thing. Because my guess is if they don't play, they don't get paid. I think the NBA has even come out saying if you're – unvaccinated and you can't play, you will not be paid. Um, I think my opinion is get a god darn vaccination. So I clean that up. You did. Get a gosh darn vaccination because it's ridiculous not to. Um, can you imagine putting your team in jeopardy of not winning? No, I can't. Well, some people say, well, I, I researched this. Um, I, I looked at TikTok and I looked at Facebook and I learned everything I needed to know. And hey, excuse me. Do not knock TikTok. I'm not knocking. There's some great it's dance moves entertainment there. Value. <laughs> entertainment value. Entertainment value. It blows my mind. It does. I listen to talking heads that don't have a brain between its ears. Yeah. No, I, I get it. And I, I understand what, why some people are thought processes go with that. There's a lot of things in the, our country's past that you can relate back to for certain races and ethnicities that things were kind of targeted against them. So if you do research and you kind of go through the history of things, I can understand the skepticism. I can understand all of that. It makes, I understand their, I don't, I can't say understand their viewpoint myself because of where I come from, but I understand why they could potentially feel the way they do or have the reasonings that they have. So that's why I say it's your choice, your decision. Do I agree with it? No. But if that's what you want to do, the, my only issue is if you're a professional athlete, you chose to play this game. And the only way to play it is to do this or you lose out on millions upon millions of dollars. You have to make the choice. Is it more important to play the game I love and make the money that helps me live the life I live? Or I guess stick to your morals and your own thoughts. 
So that's why it's a hard toss up. It's, I understand why there's people in the world that are like, I'm never doing this at all. Do I get it? No. <laughs> so I think about this and you are on this thing called a team. Yes. And you want to succeed together. There are people that believe that somebody, especially like a Kyrie Irving, will end up taking it despite not wanting to because Kevin Durant and like James Harden will basically say, hey, you, you need to do this. Like we did it. We're fine. Like you need to do it. And again, everybody is different. Everybody has their own adverse effects or no effects at all. But I feel like if you're an athlete with this situation, it's either get the vaccine or get out of the way and go retire because it's so. not changing. And put your team in jeopardy. Yeah. I mean, it's not changing. These rules are going to now be in place, at least for the foreseeable future, until we have everything under control with COVID. And then hopefully all the variants. <laughs> yeah. And that are pretty darn deadly. Yeah. So. We will see what happens there, though. But yes, I wanted to get your thoughts on it because I know, obviously, earlier in the I past few, year and a half, I, I kept calm. We've had some strong. Well, we, you've had a, over a year of this type of talk. The first six months of it, you were pretty passionate. I'm in disbelief that people still don't understand the basic concept of the mask. I know. I don't understand it. And the vaccination. Hey, listen. Here's a brand new Ferrari. You don't get any gas. Take the vaccine and live your whole life. I know. Well, like LeBron said, road to titles start with health. So take that as we will. He's not, like, again, he's not saying you need to go get vaccinated. But if you're a player, if you want a chance at that title, you probably need to make sure that you're vaccinated because you're in a league that kind of mandates it. You are. And it's just how it is. Like I said, whether you're for it or against it, and it's your own choice, yes. But you're hindering a lot of other people and their success with your decision. And again, that's something if you're fine living with, okay. How do you play on a court and not I know. But There's very little contact in the NBA, right? Nobody's sweating and nope, panting. Not at all. <laughs> but, yep. So that's why I figured I'd ask. So we'll see exactly what happens and keep updated with that as the season gets closer and closer. Paul, I am glad you were able to join us for the back half of the show. Glad I didn't miss it. And everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe. And also check out all the other great shows on 12 on sports on stations like Zingo TV on channel 761. If you check it out, use promo code 12 ounce. That's one, two Z on Zingo TV. Make sure you check that out again on channel 761 for all the other great shows that 12 ounce sports has to offer. My name is Greg with me half the time, at least today mm -hmm. is Paul. Thanks for listening and catch you next week. Have a good one. The sport stance.